0: Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit CRNAFinancialPlanning.com. Beyond the Mask is also sponsored by CRNAEducation.com. CRNAs, you can get the CE credits you need by just going to CRNAEducation.com. They have over 100 AANA prior approved credits all four core CPC modules, and even over 40 pharmacology credits. No subscriptions. It's all online and mobile-friendly. Just go to crnaeducation.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out our CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, Innovation and Opportunities for CRNAs and Advanced Practice Nurses with Certified Financial Planner Jeremy Stanley and CRNA Sharon Pierce. Jeremy Stanley has worked with CRNAs for more than 23 years, and Sharon Pierce is a former president of the AANA and the NCANA. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA and advanced practice nurse industries. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7.
1: Hey there, this is Sharon. I'm in Orlando, Florida at the Fanta State meeting, and unfortunately, Jeremy couldn't join me here. However, listeners, you're in for a treat. I have the pleasure of interviewing George Valdez today in front of a live audience at their state meeting. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself before we kick off our topic today, George?
2: Well, let's see. My name is George Valdez. It's really Jorge Valdez, but I go by George.
1: Wait, Uh, say that again really slowly so I can understand.
2: (laughs) Jorge Valdez. Oh my
1: God, that sounds so sexy, actually. (laughs)
2: Um, I've been a nurse anesthetist for 21 years. I'm native. I was born and raised in South Florida. I went to school down here in South Florida. I lived all my life in South Florida until I moved to go to anesthesia school. And I went to uh, the Mayo Clinic. um, And that was a huge shock for me. Um, The Mayo
1: in Florida. The Mayo in In...
2: Minnesota. No, like where it's cold. Where there's snow. (laughs) And so lots of snow snow all year round. And so I had never even driven in snow or anything like that. So that was a huge, huge shock for me um, because I was not used to that kind of weather Mm or anything like that. Um, So then when I, and it's funny because when I finished uh, the program, I remember there was an exit interview and I said, I have a really good piece of advice for you. Change the program start and end date because we got to be there three winters, two summers. I mean, summers are like two weeks, but I said, if you could change a little bit so you're there three summers and two winters, maybe some people would stay up here. That's
1: good advice. Their summers are fantastic.
2: Their summers are great. It's just their winters are long. Right. Yeah. Um, So then I moved back down here. I I, uh, began to work again. Uh, You know, once I graduated, I worked in the west coast of Florida. Then I moved back to Miami and um, I, eventually became the chief CRNA at a hospital in South in South Florida. Um, then I went to the University of Miami where uh, I started teaching. I got my doctorate uh, from the University of Miami, and I have kind of moved around some anesthesia schools, finally found a place where I kind of feel like I belong, which is Florida International University, and that's where I'm currently uh, at right now.
1: And. So tell me your process that you went through at FIU. I think you've ascended um, just a little bit at FIU. Yes,
2: I have ascended uh, quite a lot at FIU. The cream
1: always rises (laughs) to the top, George. (laughs)
2: Um, So I I started my trajectory as a faculty member way at the University of Miami, and slowly I I began to dabble in administration within education. Uh, By the time I got to FIU, quickly after I started there, I became the assistant chair. Uh, Then I ascended to become chair of the department of nurse anesthesiology, and then just recently in May, I got named acting dean of the Nicole Wertheim College of Nursing and health sciences.
1: Well, congratulations. Before we go down that path about being the dean and Mm -hmm. what that means and how few CRNAs have done that, let's talk about challenges that you believe that CRNA educators face today.
2: I think the biggest challenge is really there's a lack of CRNA educators. Mm -hmm. And if you look at why that lack of CRNA educators, I think a lot of that comes from uh, really pay parity. Mm -hmm. Um, And pay parity is very difficult because of the extreme salaries that we are now earning, which is, you know, it's, listen, it's, we deserve that, right? Yeah, commensurate with the level of
1: responsibility that we have, yeah.
2: As educators, uh, you take a pay cut. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to find what that life work balance and what what are the important things for you. Mm -hmm. And so you will find that people who are lifelong educators is because they have an internal passion that fuels them. I mean, quite frankly, I, I love practicing anesthesia. I still practice anesthesia. And you get that sense of accomplishment when you put an epidural on a mom and she wants to name her kid after you. Then she finds out your name is Jorge and she kind of thinks she maybe not. She
1: changed her mind. She changes
2: her <laughs> mind. Um, however, for educators, that passion, that amazement sense of accomplishment comes once a year mm-hmm. when they walk across the stage and you know that you had a part in making them a professional. Mm-hmm. making them a healthcare provider, making them that nurse anesthetist. And someone told me something, uh, a, a student of mine, and, and it, it touched me, it, it, you know, it, it went right to your heart. And she said, do you know how many patients you've, you've taken care of? And I said, oh, I'm sure, you know, thousands of patients. Oh, no, no. She goes millions, and she go, listen, I'm not, not that old. And uh, she said, no, 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 no. Every single time that any one of your ex-students
3: oh. delivers
2: anesthesia, there's a piece of you that's in that anesthetic care. And I I was blown away.
1: Wow, that's And so kind I, of I tell
2: that to to anesthesia educators and you know just of the impact that you can have. And it's it's funny because you don't know some of those impactful moments. You don't know when you're teaching, you don't know when you're talking to someone when you're going to make that impression. Hmm. And I think that's very important. Hmm. So I think the biggest challenge is really recruiting good educators, and it's it's that pay, but it's finding who has that kind of, you know, passion that drives them that is going to move our profession forward, obviously.
1: I like that. So what advice would you have for any CRNAs who are out there listening in our audience or listening in this room right now um, who are interested in education? How do you get started?
2: I think number one, how you get started is simple. I mean, you, you wanna be a preceptor and you wanna see that you enjoy precepting, obviously. I do not think it is a wise idea for someone to jump from school, practice for a year, and then go right into teaching. I think you have to develop your sense of practice, your skill set, you must develop that first. I would start slowly, um, and how I think that the best way to start is by precepting, maybe then kind of moving into maybe doing a little bit of work in the sim lab, uh, being adjunct at first, and then seeing really if this is what you want to do. People who make that jump, and that dramatic jump from clinical practice to academia sometimes go right back to acad- I mean to clinical practice because yeah. they can't hack it. It is very, very different, and it takes a different skill set. Um, to be an administrator in academia it's even a more you know specialized skill set that it takes. but to be a, a, a good faculty member to, to really be a good educator is finding that you know those moments that you really treasure and and knowing what those things are. And I think that because I look at our profession, I value my profession in such a way, I want to be a positive change agent by creating more CRNAs. So
1: could somebody teach a course for you? For instance, if I decided I wanted to be an educator, could I call you and say, hey George, I wanna teach a course for you on political involvement or leadership or whatever. Is that a so, way to start?
2: Of course. Of course it is. And you have that like you personally I know you and so I know, you know, the famous Sharon Pierce, she has that <laughs> skill set.
1: And just so, don't want to get your picture made with me, right? Well, no. <laughs> After my lecture yeah, yeah. this morning, where everybody I, I in like the died. I like to stay alive, had, yes.
2: Had
1: died. But I swear, people, if you get your picture made with me, you will not die. I don't know. I, I
2: have a lot of selfies with you, so I'm kind of worried <laughs> I know, now. and
1: you're still here, so it's all good.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a very good way, and, and I think that the best way is to not take a course by yourself, but maybe if if you have the opportunity to team up with someone who will kind of show you the ropes. Mm -hmm. And so to new faculty, I always think that the best thing to do is to team teach a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so get your feet wet, have someone teach you what the ropes are and what it takes to evaluate a course, evaluate students, and and then make necessary changes as well. There is a science to it as well.
0: Sure,
1: well, I mean, I work with some CRNAs who are clearly teachers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure that's the way I would want to go, but should we be encouraging those that we recognize with the skill set?
2: Oh, God, yes. I mean, absolutely. I, uh, whenever I have a student, you know, when I've had students that I thought would make amazing educators, I try to, you know, kind of encourage that Um, because of my role within. FANA, I've had the opportunity where I've had lots of ex-students come and speak. Mm -hmm. And so even this weekend, I have someone coming to speak, why? Because I think that person needs to kind of think about whether they like this or not. And if you enjoy teaching, if you enjoy public speaking, well that's, you've got half the battle won there Mm. as far as educators.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. I've got the public speaking part down. But, there you go, um, yes you do. Curriculum development might be a little AC.
2: <laughs> we can help you with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I believe um, on the Knowledge Network for the AANA, they have courses that you can take. Yep. We have Jan Settner. Call me Colonel in the room right here. Uh, uh, Colonel Setner, did I just speak the truth? There are courses, yes. I have been mm-hmm. confirmed by the Colonel um, that you can take courses on curriculum development. Yep. So if we have any educators out there, you are needed and wanted mm-hmm. right now.
2: And and the ANA is in the works and I am helping them to build even more courses uh, uh, Something for else educators for you to do, as as well, George, do you so. not
1: have enough to do? You know what? (laughs) Ask the busiest person that you know, and that's the way yeah. to get something done, yeah. not the person who looks like they've got a lot of free time. So, <laughs> you know, let's transition a little bit now. And you are an acting dean mm-hmm. of a school of nursing. Mm-hmm. And you and I had this discussion this morning. There are very few mm-hmm. CRNAs who are deans yep. of school of nursing. Yep. So it's, it, it you know, it's just great to be able to sit beside mm-hmm. of you and to yep. know you and know that you're one of those. So why don't you talk about how you went from being a CRNA sitting on Mm -hmm. a stool to acting dean? Gosh, you're amazing.
2: Well, the answer to that is I have no idea, (laughs) right? So so, um, (laughs) I would never have thought when I was in school in Minnesota uh, that I would someday be doing that. That, that wasn't something that I aspired to, right? Okay. And so when I, even when I came into the faculty role, that's not something I aspired to either. Well, clearly I,
1: somebody saw something so I, in Well, you. You I mean, I, I,
2: I said, okay, yes, a chair of a department, absolutely. I would love to head, you know, the anesthesia department and really move that forward and, and move our school forward and, and, you know, progress that way. From there to dean is a completely different thing. There are very, very few deans. Um, I think it's an incredible honor and it's a lot of responsibility as a nurse Mm anesthetist, as a nurse anesthesiologist, however you want to frame it, huge, huge responsibility. And what what that to me means is another platform for me, to promote my profession. Mm-hmm. And I've been a huge advocate for CRNAs for a very long time. I've been very involved with FANA and with the ANA. And now I get to do the same thing as a dean. And it's not a dean of just any school. The school that I'm, a, that I'm an acting dean, I'll say what acting dean is in a minute, but the school that I'm an acting dean of is an R1 Carnegie rated research facility. It's a state university system, um, and it is really what I say, it's the anchor uh, university in South Florida in the sense of it's the only state university in South Florida mm-hmm. within Miami, in the Miami-Broward region, and so our students, uh, it's 59,000 students, it's the one of the largest Hispanic-serving institutions in the country. Mm -hmm. And that is something to be proud of. And the students that go to uh, FIU stay within the community as well. And so I get the chance to, uh, you know, educate and help lead the next set of healthcare providers for South Florida. As a nurse and ethicist to be in that suite, it's huge. Because you tell me, do our nursing counterparts, you know? Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. And so, but now the nursing counterparts all kind of, okay, they, they look up to me, and, and I'm leading this huge university. We, we have 170 faculty members um, in the College of Nursing and Health Sciences.
1: Right. A hundred and seventy? A hundred seventy. be the boss of them? Yes. Oh, I and, love and this. And this. Is,
2: this is full-time and adjunct faculty, oh but my. the total is about a hundred and seventy. That's a huge number.
1: And you're spreading the gospel about CRNAs all Absolutely. at the same time. You Absolutely. Know, our opposition has been doing this kind of stuff. Why do you mm-hmm. think the president of the AMA is an is an anesthesiologist, right? Right. right? So you're doing exactly yeah. what our opposition and, has been and doing. And
2: so we have a a unique opportunity at where I'm at because we are we I say that we are right on just the top, the very, very top of greatness. Mm-hmm. It is about to explode the university. And we, are ha- we have a school of medicine that's doing some major things and partnerships with some hospitals in the area. And the School of Nursing is gonna be right there as well. And so one of the first things I did is I need those partnerships to be made with the School of Medicine, with the School of Public Health as well, and all three deans got together and it's like, well, how can we move forward? How can we kind of do research together? How can we work as faculty together and do all these things? That's not something that had been done before.
1: Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is you're at the table.
2: I am at the table. So
1: we're not gonna be on the menu because of you.
2: I love that, yeah. <laughs> and, and I can carry that same stuff into academia now. And so the first thing I did is I need to get on every single board that is of the future, what they call FIU Health. Mm-hmm. And so I wanna make sure that I can speak to nursing and OT and PT and language speech pathology, which are all programs within my school. And so having that, Is huge for a nurse anesthetist. I think that that is really moving our profession in the correct way. And just the same, you want more um, CRNAs and and CEO positions in hospitals. Mm -hmm. You want more CNOs that are, you know, CRNAs as well. The same thing goes for academia. Because in academia, so what's, what, what do you see in nursing? What do you see in the future of nursing? Number one, nursing as a whole, we're the most trusted profession. That's not going to change. The need for nursing and nurse anesthesiologists, that's not going to change. That's only going to increase. The science, the research behind our practice, that's what we need to move forward and evolve as well. And so all these things I get, it's exciting time to kind of be able to mold and shape this. Mm
1: -hmm. I can tell that. I'm passionate. You are passionate. Just a little bit, yeah. Well, that Latino in you probably (laughs) helps out just a little bit. Um, So you are the current acting dean. Mm -hmm. Do you want to elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, so
2: the current dean, uh, um, she was dean for uh, quite a long time in the school and she is scheduled to retire, and her retirement um, basically starts in January. So they can't appoint an interim or anything like that until she officially retires mm-hmm. in January. And so when she, at the point where she retires, then I would no longer be acting. And so at that point I would be interim, and then seeing where that goes. Would I want to stay in this position? I could tell you, hell yeah. Yes. You know, and we need more, you know, CRNAs to elevate to these positions. We need more CRNAs to be on the table and and be the decision makers. And so not only the decision makers within healthcare, but within the education that's gonna eventually trickle down to patient care as well. When you think of deans of nursing, you can think of a good friend of mine and a very good friend of of yours too, John McFadden. Mm -hmm. And think about what his effects are on nursing and he, he helped rewrite their standards. And that's huge.
1: Oh, well, he and, helped rewrite the AACN standards. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. So, yeah.
2: And so that's, when you think of that effect, and so that's great. Why? Because he brings that, the COA knowledge of being a program administrator in, when, in his past and moving forward and saying, okay, well now I'm going to take this and go into nursing and kind of make those changes too.
0: Hey CRNAs, it's time to simplify your continuing education. Welcome to CRNAeducation.com, your trusted provider for CPC core modules and a plethora of Class A CE credits. You can explore 43 detailed articles covering various anesthesia topics, all from your favorite device, anytime, anywhere. And with over 40 Pharmacology CE credits, meet your state board requirements effortlessly. Whether you need a few credits or everything to recertify, we have what you need. Just complete your credits online without any subscriptions or recurring charges. You can trust in our 100% CRNA-owned platform, established in 2011, ensuring you receive the best in customer service and educational content. Ready to learn? Go to crnaeducation.com making continuing education easy and accessible. And don't forget that support is always a quick email or a text or phone call away. To sign up and learn more, just go to crnaeducation.com.
1: So we alluded a little bit about where the profession can go Mm -hmm. with this. What do you see for the future?
2: Well, obviously what I I see for the future is how nurse anesthetists are gonna be recognized as the premier anesthesia provider Mm -hmm. that we are already, and nationally recognized and recognized as such within the state of Florida as well. Something has to change. The current model that we have is unsustainable. Mm -hmm. That's not going to last. We are clearly in a position of power, clearly in a position where the market forces are going to favor us. There's a place for everyone, and that's kind of what I say when I go to Tallahassee a lot, is I'm not trying to take anyone's job. All I'm trying to do is that we all work the same. And that's important, because we can all man the rooms. So there, and when I get into trouble, I basically say, hey, someone come and help me. I don't care if it's an anesthesiologist who comes in or a nurse anesthetist who comes in. Anybody, anybody right, can just come another in. Pair and how hands. many times have we helped our physician counterparts and they help us in return and we collaborate that way. But we collaborate. If you want to say collaboration, that is fine, but that's very different than oh, I'm the head. No. That that changes. Right. Because I bring a unique skill set just like you bring a unique skill set. And sometimes I will lead the team, sometimes you will lead the team, but together we're collaborating to lead together, right? right? And so, and and we're doing this in the best way we can, which is obviously patient safety is always on top of our mind. And so I think that our profession will move forward. It will develop, but then again, I mean, I'm a, the cup is always half full for me. I'm a very optimistic person. Mm-hmm. And even within the state of Florida, I mean, f- challenges that we've had in the state of Florida started, you know, since uh, I can tell you since I've been involved, 2013, 2010. And there have been challenges every year, but we move it little by little. Mm-hmm. And so now healthcare is a huge issue in Florida. Well, I mean, you think, I mean, how many people move here? And where do people go to retire? And, you know, they come here. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have a premier healthcare industry in Florida.
1: Wow. You know what, I, you, that is true because your population will be a little older. A I little, would... <laughs> yeah.
2: knuckles and purple hair. Um, yeah. All right now,
1: be careful about the purple hair. Mine's just white now, not purple
2: yet. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, our population does tend to be a little bit older. There are, there are definite uh, pockets within our state that have a much older population. Mm-hmm. And so you figure who's gonna care for those individuals. We are uniquely positioned Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. And so I think if COVID has shown anything, it shows how adaptable we are and how we are so instrumental in the care And can care for patients in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we bring that nursing background, that ICU care, we're looking at patients in a completely different model. We use a medical model as well, but we use a nursing model as well. And I think it's using both those things that make us unique.
1: Well, clearly, you've been to Tallahassee a few times. I can tell (laughs) by the way that you're telling this story. Oh, yeah. Uh, One thing I would like to tell listeners, uh, and you alluded to this before about collaboration, and Mm -hmm. just because you're advocating for CRNAs, it doesn't mean I'm anti. No. anesthesiologist. I'm just pro-CRNA. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about advocacy. What have been some of the roles that you have played in advocacy <laughs> in Florida? Um, Remember, this is a 30 to 40-minute podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, wow. So the, the, I, I'm going to say the, the biggest uh, role that I played in Florida was when I was president of FANA. And when I was president, someone called me and said, hey, George, would you like to, um, could you come to Tallahassee and just talk for a few minutes to some legislators about what the role of CRNA is. So I get to Tallahassee, and I meet this really young uh, legislator, and he was young, because he was my age, and he was from my hometown actually. And so um, he says, well, what you're gonna do is we're gonna have a panel, and it's gonna be um, you know, a nurse practitioner and their physician counterpart, and we're just gonna talk about what independent practice would look like and what you know the yin and the yang, and I'm like, oh, that's a little different than what I was told, but okay. So I go up there, well, that was recorded. Um, there was a big target on my back for a very sure. long time. I and, get that. Um, <laughs> and so I, I mean, to the point where I had to change jobs, I had a really hard time finding employment I get uh, that. at some time as well. <laughs> and, but I would, I would obviously do that over and over again because I spoke my truth. Sure. And the what I the truth that I spoke and what I said was basically exactly what happens in the OR, and it's illusionary if you think that we're being supervised, um, because oh, I like that it's, term. it is illusionary. It is, it's, it's illusionary. It's illusionary supervision. Because I if, see
1: now why you're acting mean <laughs> Instead of saying there's nobody in the room with us yeah, and they're telling yeah. a lie, it's illusionary. Yeah. Is that not awesome? <laughs> I is. love it. That's why it's you're an, acting well, It's acting an illusion D.
2: because if I'm not safe, then why am I sitting there the whole time? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know why am I doing the pre-op and the post-op? And you know, so and it depends on in yeah. <laughs> so it just depends on where you're working, right? But that was probably the biggest set of advocacy that I had, and, and I felt that I did educate a lot of those members. I can tell you that I had a very, very um, positive impression on that young legislator. That young legislator then became Speaker of the House in 2020. Ooh. And in 2020, the state of Florida moved that autonomous practice needle just a little further. Mm-hmm. And in our state now, we have nurse practitioners who can practice independently, and that is due to this, the, speaker, the former Speaker of the House, Representative Oliva, who basically made this his mission. At the last minute, unfortunately, CRNAs were carved out, but that's okay, because the fight continues, and, he still and it's okay, needle. and it still moved the needle. And so now COVID, well, we're gonna take advantage of this COVID and say, well, we, move, we can move the needle, needle even further now because you took the restrictions off and nothing happened. People didn't die. They actually did great. And so now we continue to move that needle. And so again, I'm, I'm not advocating to get rid of anyone. I'm not, no, well, that's not what I'm saying. We in all, a we can all work together. It's just how we choose to work together, the important thing. And, valuing each other's skill set. I think it was, was what's important. And so, my, so we can translate that back into where I'm at now. So what do you think is one of my main goals with the School of Medicine is have my residents, have my nursing students basically be educated at the same time alongside with some of these physician interns and, and medical students. Because the more that they see what we're learning and what we bring to the table, the more that they will change in their future as well. And so in the future, they're gonna say, well, wait a minute, I remember in, in medical school that a nurse methodist was teaching this course, or I remember that it was a community health nurse that kind of taught me about public health and what it means to that, and I did rounds with a public health nurse, and how many times have we, as nurse anesthetists, had physicians, and we've taught, how many, how many times have we taught residents how to intubate, and our little tricks of the trade. And so it's that intermingling, which I think is very important at those little baby steps. Mm-hmm. So when you're just a little baby, let's kind of get you into the mindset of, oh, we're gonna to work together and this is gonna be good.
1: I so. like that. Well, as an example, one day, I, I was working and I had a patient that had some syndrome I didn't know about and the nurse anesthesia handbook is on our cards and I pulled it out looking at it and the GI doc is dual boarded in GI and internal medicine and he grabbed the book and he said, this looks like my book from whenever I was uh, doing my internal medicine residency, I said, Do you think our book says C. Jane Run? <laughs> uh, you know, Pathophys, yeah. Pharmacology is exactly the same. It is. And it's the same it book. We yeah. don't learn from different right. books than you. What yeah. do you. Uh, and he it's, just looked it's, at it's me, and you s- could see the light bulb go off yeah. in his in his head somewhere.
2: It's funny you say that, Sharon, because I think one of the most impactful things that I tell students, it was uh, a representative who once asked a student, and they asked him, well, you know, tell me about your education, and the student said something, and they, and they stopped the student, and the student said, well, we learn from the te- same, we have the same textbooks. And that like floored the legislator. He could not believe that what it was the same think? textbooks. And I thought the human body is a human body. Like it's not gonna change whether it's a nurse that's taking care of you or a physician taking care of you. So it's, it's funny, you, you know, like you think about that and it's stuff, who knows what the public thinks about us. We, unfortunately, I still think that we are a huge secret.
1: Sure, not as big a secret not as, as, we, used yeah, as Remember, we used to be. Remember, I produced the video. Uh, the best kept secret in healthcare, and that was 1998, and truly no one knew who we were or what we did. Uh, but now, I mean, I'll be walking through the airport, and somebody will see my CRNA pen, and they'll say, oh, you're a CRNA. It just happened to me last week, I was in Minnesota. Minnesota mm-hmm. last week. Don't and you so know. Yeah, don't you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I um, sure enough, somebody said, Oh, you're a CRNA and my head just whips around. Ah, you must know one yeah. or are you one? Right. Of course I've got an even better story than that. I'm sitting in the Delta uh, club and I hear somebody go, Sharon and I looked around and this lady goes, You're Sharon Pierce, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how does this person know me? I said, how do I know you? And she said, I'm Roxanne McMurray. I did the the new airway, the McMurray Airway. So we sat down and talked, first time I've ever met her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you never know who you'll see in an airport. But you never know. the That's the, right. the story is we're getting more and more known about we who are. we
2: are and what we do. Yeah. And
1: it's from little nudges from... People like yourself and people who are listening.
2: Yeah, and, and, and it's it's it is kind of interesting how, as a profession, you know, you think about when was the first nurse nurses delivering anesthesia? Civil War, and most people think, oh, this is something new. Right. I love when I get that because then it gives me a chance to educate.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Another thing that I will tell people, uh, physicians or nurses who have no idea really what Mm -hmm. we do and back to about having books, the same books, the standard of care is the same, no matter who's standing at the head of the table. Never forget that. Actually, I'd argue that the standard of care is higher for a nurse anesthetist. I tell this story whenever I go and teach Mm -hmm. students um, all the time. You know, if an anesthesiologist is standing at the head of the bed and the Patient bugs. The surgeon will look up and go, Hey, buddy, think you can keep them still? Let it be a CRNA. Now, let it be a female CRNA, and they'll say stuff to women they'd never <laughs> say to a man because you know, y'all knock them out in the parking lot or in the, <laughs> in the locker room, and we don't have that opportunity right. to do that. So, I, I actually think that, if, and that's just Sharon Pierce's world, that a female CRNA has to be better than everybody else because they'll say something
2: to us. You ha- you bring up a good point and it is true. The standard of care, is, it is higher because they're willing to forgive a lot more when it's a physician at the head of the mm-hmm. bed than when it's a you know, CRNA. And so even our nursing counterparts, and that's something that needs to be changed as a, as a mm-hmm. you know, counterculture, per se. And the first thing I do when I introduce myself is like, I am the acting dean of the, you know, FIU, Nicole Worth, College, And, uh, but I say, and I'm a nursing ethicist. Why? Because I want them to know what kind of nursing I did. And I tell them of, of nurse, and I, and I say, you when you see me, you may think nurse, but I am a little bit different. And how I am different is the way that nurse and practice. We are, the way that we are trained, we are trained very differently. So not only are we trained in a nursing model, but we're also trained under a medical model as well. And we're kind of, this is kind of how we look at patients from both dyads, right? And so, uh, I think that education to nurses is very, very important and so that they know who we are and what we do because the last thing we want to do is continue this whole the nurses eat their young thing, mm-hmm. you know, or anyone who is kind of different. Well, we are different, so we, wanna, we don't want to be eaten.
3: Three, two, one. Here
0: we go. Hey, we have an exciting announcement for Beyond the Mask podcast fans. Coming up in November, the clinical series gets a facelift. We welcome Gary Bridges, the board of director at the National Board of Certification and Recertification for Nurse Anesthetists, and Terry Wicks, clinical assistant professor at the UNC Greensboro School of Nursing, to the Beyond the Mask family. They'll be your hosts for Anesthesia Alchemy, Terry and Gary Unplugged. Here are Gary and Terry to give you a tease of what's to come on their episodes.
3: Hey, well, 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 folks, guess who's back in the podcasting game? It's none other than your favorite dynamic duo.
0: (laughs) That's right, Terry. They can't get enough of us, can they?
3: No, apparently not, Gary. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Anesthesia Alchemy, Terry and Gary Unplugged. We're your hosts, Terry Wicks and Gary Bridges, the CRNA Dream Team. So we're here to sprinkle a little bit of laughter and a lot of anesthesia wisdom into your day and have some fun
0: all along the way. Well, you know, Terry, we've got some exciting stuff lined up for our fellow nurse anesthetists out there and anyone else who actually cares to join us and learn a little bit about the tricks and tribulations of clinical
3: anesthesia care. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take some deep dives into clinical anesthesia. We're going to tackle some tricky topics with humor and heart, and we're going to sprinkle a little bit of science in there with them just to be true to the
0: art form. Well. And you know what, Terry? We might even throw some anesthesia jokes along the way, too. Oh,
3: no, no, no. I can't believe it. Not you and me. Anesthesia jokes? Who would have thought?
0: Well, we're all full of surprises. So, folks, sit back, relax, and get ready for some CRNA magic on the Anesthesia Alchemy Terry and Gary Unplugged. The first edition of Anesthesia Alchemy debuts on Tuesday, November 7th, and you can expect to hear this special series on the first and third Tuesdays every month. We can't wait to see what Gary and Terry have in store for us on Anesthesia Alchemy. Join us for that special series here on Beyond the Mask.
1: Well, I do think that CRNAs, we are different. I agree with that, but I think we've held ourselves separate. We have. Part of this is something that we've created. Yeah. So I love that you are stepping out into the nursing oh, yeah. world. Yeah. And, and kind of bridging that divide. I'm on a national commission right now, the Commission for Nurse Reimbursement, where we're trying to move how nurses are reimbursed in a hospital mm-hmm. because they're on the cost side and we need to move on to the right. revenue side. And I'm on this national commission, I'm co-chairing it actually, which still amazes me because I'm co-chairing it with Rebecca Love who is absolutely amazing. But you know, so we're gonna change the face of healthcare with this nurse reimbursement. Mm-hmm. So I tell everybody that I'm a nurse anesthetist and the reason why I'm on the commission is because nurse anesthetists were the first APRNs right. to receive third party reimbursement.
2: Well, and I know that you are a fellow of the Academy. I am. Yes, I am. and not only are you a fellow of the Academy of Nursing, but you're also a fellow of the ANA. I think more cRNAs should be very involved and be part of the ANA as well, um, and be advocates for the ANA. And so because we want to be seen, we want to be heard, be fellows of the academy, apply for that uh, extreme honor. The more that we are involved with our nursing counterparts, the more that we will break down those walls. And if you think about it, we are a very strong organization, but the ANA, Mm-hmm. is strong in numbers as well. So together, that would be a force to be reckoned with.
1: Actually, I think this weekend is the induction. Yes, they are. What, nine, nine CRNAs? Nine
2: CRNAs are being are get, inducted. Yes, which is, that is absolutely is, great. That so that'll amazing. bring it up
1: to, I think, 40. Yeah. Only 40 CRNAs yeah. are in the academy. Yeah. So, And the first one, do you know who the first one is? Tess for the educator. Ira Gunn was the the first CRNA inducted into the academy.
0: Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families.
1: All right, let's, what do you, would you like to see as far as the future um, for nurse anesthesiology education? It's still hard for me to say that, even though I went back and looked at my, my certificate from Wake Forest, and it does say nurse anesthesiology. Yeah. I had no idea until all of this stuff. Of course, I hadn't of, looked at well, that thing
2: in 30 school, years. But, but a lot <laughs> of schools of uh, nurse anesthesia are called schools of nurse anesthesiology. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to see for nurse and anesthesiology is the you know the same path forward we have been uh, leaders in education we mandated the DNP as a practice to entry before any one of our counterparts um, nursing is still looking at that um, OT is looking into it as well PT already did it but they did it before us PharmD did it before us but it's moving that to the highest level I want nurse anesthetists to be involved in research and really kind of expanding the science that is nurse anesthesiology. More nurse anesthetists need to publish, conduct research, and also write books. May, you know, Be authors of books, of textbooks. If we have our name out there and we are producing the science that's going to prepare our profession, and you look at our profession and, and you think about it, it's like you know advancing the science, but it could be a physician anesthesiologist who's written a textbook, why couldn't it be a nurse anesthesiologist that writes the textbook as well? We can do that, we have that knowledge. That's what I would love to see, is more nurse anesthesiologists kind of expand their roles and say, not only am I a faculty member, but I'm a researcher, I am publishing, I am advancing the science of nursing as a whole as well. That's that's gonna put a name for us. And the more of me and people like me that raise that bar, and we've got three in Florida, Three all in right, South yes. Florida.
1: All right, John. John McFadden. Yes.
2: Tony Madai.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. And myself. Job. Oh,
2: nice. We're all in South Florida. It's the South Florida Power Contingency. That's it. But that is huge. And, you know, you think about that, it's, you know, it kind of puts our name out there, you know, and oh, what are those letters behind your name? You know, we all like the alphabet soup behind our name, right? All nurses have lots of alphabet mm-hmm. soup. Our nurse practitioner counterparts, are the, they feel the same way. They have all kinds of alphabet soup behind their name and you always gotta explain it. But in explaining it, I'm happy to explain it. Because mm-hmm. then I can tell you exactly what I do for a living. And that really defines who I am as well. And I think that any, anybody who's a CRNA, and I always tell students this, the person that you came in today will be completely different than the person that you leave from this program. And this profession will change who you are and how you describe yourself. And I think that most nurse anesthetists, they'll start describing themselves, they'll say how they're a parent and how many kids they have, but like within the first you know, 10 seconds of them saying anything about themselves, they say exactly what they do for a living, because you're proud of that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's totally what I identify with. <laughs> Uh, my whole being, I'm a CRNA for sure. So, you know, we called this the trifecta, and this is for my girlfriend Carol out there in okay. Minnesota. Everything she oh, says Carol. is the trifecta. Uh, I tell her I mm-hmm. can't, te- I can't say a trifecta because by the time I get the number two, I can't remember number three. <laughs> but you truly are the trifecta. You're a male nurse, yep. you're a minority, yep. and you're a CRNA, and you're sitting in the dean's chair. Yep. Oh my gosh, yeah. you are just simply amazing, but I always knew that you were, George. So as we kind of wrap this up, mm-hmm. what would you like to conclude on, and what message would you like to leave for our listeners out there, I think, besides you're awesome?
2: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I'm not any different than anyone else. That's a lie. It, no, that is true. That That's is definitely true. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm you not are, anyone. You are
1: special, but what well, I think you're I, what I think you're trying to say is that there there can be others like you. There can be, but others. you are special.
2: You just you have to put yourself out there, and you think about where you want the world to be and and what you want it to be and how you want it to look, and do it right. And so I don't think there's anything holding you back. If you take an opportunity and if in an opportunity presents itself run and go right to it. And that's kind of what I've done all my life. And so the opportunity presented itself, become fan of president, boom, ran for it. It Took me two times, finally got it. Go into academia, struggle a little bit, find the right fit, go right through. Oh, you wanna be the assistant chair? Oh yeah, sure, chair, go for it. And then when I got interviewed for the, the Dean position, I'm thinking imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? I'm walking up there and I'm like, oh my God, do they know it's me? They don't know me. And all of a sudden, boom. But now I can tell you, it's, you're, I'm sitting there and I have all these meetings and I'm you know, kind of doing all this administrative stuff. And I think back to myself and I think, who am I and what do I really want to accomplish? And it's really, it goes back to my profession and how I wanna advance that and how I see myself being that agent of change that I want you know, to be. And I think anyone can do that. You just have to have the drive and say, I'm gonna go for it and just go for it. What, what's the worst thing that could happen? You could fail. And then you get up and try again. Absolutely. And that's it.
1: So what I'm hearing you say is just raise your hand.
2: Go run. Run for it, go for it. (laughs) Volunteer, go. That's
1: it. But you know, it's hard to do that. I mean, I understand that not everybody wants to raise their hand, but you know, I want to ask you one last question here. I bet the answer to this is yes. You probably got more back than what you put in.
2: When I see students graduate, I get so much more back from knowing that I was instrumental in building that career and then think about you know the healthcare and, and how you know patients are going to be affected why because i put my work into that everything in life you have to think about you know that altruistic thing that you're going to get back the 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 warm feeling that you get in your heart even being a parent why are you a parent you're a parent because you're building another human being it's it's that that beautiful thing that you're, that you're making a person to, to give to the world, right? And as a parent, that's what you do. You give your children to the world and you hope that they make a difference. And so I think it's the same thing for everything I've ever done in my life, every single profession that, you know, that I've had before, nursing, every, everything that I've done, I've always gotten much more and it leads you to the next, you know, step in life. So if you fail and if you don't succeed, you just keep going and you learn from it and then you build yourself up and go to the next fun thing, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, George, thank you for joining us today on Beyond the Mask and thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for everything Mm -hmm. you're doing for the community of nursing (laughs) and for the CRNA community too.
0: attention all certified nurse anesthetists are you in need of a reliable and quality continuing education option well look no further than crnaeducation.com we are an NBCRNA recognized provider offering all four core cpc modules to meet your certification requirements you can choose from more than a hundred aana prior approved class a ce credits with 43 articles covering a wide range of anesthesia topics. Need Pharmacology CE credits? Well, we've got you covered there as well, with over 40 Pharmacology CE credits available. All credits are completed online and are mobile-friendly. Choose articles worth one, two, or three credits. There's no subscriptions, no hidden fees, just the CE credits you need when you need them. Owned by CRNAs since 2011, you can trust in our commitment to your education. And customer service is always a quick email or phone call or even text away. To sign up and find out more about our education options, visit CRNAeducation.com, your partner in continuing education. That's CRNAeducation.com.